0: Welcome to Wiggly Neurosis. YouTube accounts. That's what they do, is buy, buy YouTube accounts, I guess. Welcome into Weekly Neurosis. This is uh, the Ocean episode. Ocean. Correct. mundo. So, uh, welcome in. Uh, just to give you a quick overview of this episode, we're going to be reviewing the movie Into the Heart of the Sea, featuring Chris Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, and then more Chris Hemsworth. Uh, the album is going to be Leviathan by Mastodon, the epic rock metal masters. And Ethan, tell us about the beer of the week.
1: We, this week, are drinking, to go along with our ocean theme, uh, Grapefruit Sculpin from Ballast Point Brewing Company, based out of San Diego, California.
0: Yeah. One of the one of the best?
1: Yeah, I think so. I've had this before. It's a delicious IPA. And, uh, yeah, all their beers at Ballast Point are based on fish or of some sort. They have the calico and... Big Eye, I think, is one, but it's all fish-based, and yeah. So I thought it was appropriate for our theme. Yeah, <laughs> I think
0: they have one stout now that's like non, but I think it still is. It's like something to do with ghosts of or something. I'm trying to remember.
1: Ghosts of the pirate. Ghost of the right
0: pirate. It. it was some, but it was still sea-based. Okay. So, but yeah, let's crack. I'm gonna crack this beast.
1: I'm gonna pretend. You're, <laughs> you're gonna pretend to crack it. I accidentally opened it. Before. Cause you
0: you went too early.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, this is a good one,
0: though. I, I think really... either one's, like, good. Because, I mean, the regular Sculpin's excellent. Right.
1: And Great You've, for you've the... had their Habanero Sculpin before. I have, which yeah. I haven't.
0: That was an interesting experience because I went... Uh, it was Mike's, Mike's uh, Liquor Store, which I don't think is in existence anymore. But they had it there in a six-pack, and they had it in the case as a six-pack. So I picked up the six-pack, I went to the counter, and the guy was like, Whoa, buddy, you can only buy two of these per person. And I was like, then why didn't you, like... Put, yeah. Put them in individually? I, I don't know. Crazy. It's really, really interesting. But anyways, welcome in. So ocean, let's let's define it here. It's a noun, which is a very large expanse of sea in particular, each of the main areas into which the sea is divided geographically, and that would be the Pacific, Atlantic, Indian, Southern, Arctic, and Arctic. Those are the oceans. What does ocean mean to you, Ethan?
1: Oceans freak me out kind of. I mean I was in Hawaii recently and the ocean can certainly be beautiful and everything but the idea of such a deep massive depth it's scary and knowing that although we've explored a lot of it we haven't explored it nearly as much as there is and thinking about all the species that could be down there and how deep certain parts of it really go it's kind of its kind of freaky mm-hmm. um, but it's also kind of fascinating thinking about, about that since we we know so little about it, but yet it's right here, you
0: know. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm the same way, it's I mean, it's seventy one percent of the earth's surface. We don't know anything about the floor of it. it. there's like creatures and things living in there that we have no idea what right. what they are or what their purpose is and it's it's scary. And I mean James Cameron did that deep sea adventure into that like crack in the earth. The Mariana, Mariana Trench, Trench right? and I would never do that. That is so scary. Yeah, and if,
1: if you really want to fascinate yourself, just just go to YouTube and look up creatures of the deep sea. There's all these really eerie videos and stuff of deep sea vessels, not always manned vessels, mm-hmm. that have captured videos of just what appears to be enormous squids and stuff, and it's just really eerie and really mysterious. And there's
0: one video of, like, it's like a ghost fish. We were just talking about ghosts, but it's actually, it looks like a ghost, and it's beyond freaky, but, yeah, it's it's scary, and you think of, like, all the ships that have crashed in the ocean, all the stuff that's on the floor. I mean, it's just, it's a weird place. It can, like eat things, and it breaks things down, and it's, uh, it's I don't know, it scares me too, I, I agree with you. When,
1: going in, in, you know, when we talk about our movie, it's it's how easy it would be to just get stuck out there, and there's really nothing you can do, and how being, if you're stuck out there, say on a raft or something, it's basically like being in a desert. Pretty there's much. There's water everywhere, but you can't drink any of it, you'll get sick. Mm-hmm. It's, it's freaky, but it's cool too, it's pretty, if you've ever laid on a nice beach, or flying over the ocean is, is interesting, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, the ocean.
0: Scare, scurry stuff scurry. some high priority news items um, obviously we're deep into the the christmas shopping season we're you know people are buying their starting to buy the last minute gifts i'm sure people will be still out
1: i have not purchased a single gift
0: i've i think i purchased one i'm the
1: guy who orders everything from amazon a week before
0: last minute you get free um, overnight shipping if you order the day before christmas eve if you have prime
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Don't tell me that. Yeah.
0: Delay, delay, delay. No, but, um, one thing that's really popping up is, um, I think it's mainly due to the affordability of Facebook advertising. All these companies are popping up that are making beer devices and it's, it's basically gear galore. It's all based on creating the draft beer experience at home. And it's just everywhere right now. I don't know. Have you seen any anything out there?
1: Not really. I mean, I, I had a little bit of experience, I mean, in the last couple of years, just knowing that these things are out there. But generally, I always assumed that it was quick and easy and just to make the cheapest beer you could for yourself. And I wasn't sure of the quality. Of course, people homebrew all the time and make fantastic beer. But uh, with these kind of items, I guess they've always seemed gimmicky. But. uh i mean it sounds like some of these things are really being innovated right now
0: yeah definitely and uh the couple that i ran into are the the man can which is basically a drought a growler growler, a growler in the form of a drought keg that kind of allows you to fill up like you would a growler but then you use co2 and it has a little tank on it uh, that gives you the same draft beer feel and also growler taps uh, it's basically a, a attachment to a growler with a c again co2 to give the the draft uh, beer experience. And the the big one that's out there is Physics right now. Um, That's the one that you actually put a drought keg into and click it shut and it taps it for you and um, gives you that feel. But these range from the man cans starts at 200 and then you have to buy all these CO2 refills. Uh, Growler Taps was the cheapest, it was 45. Uh, Physics is 150 to 200 depending on the model you get. So these things aren't cheap.
1: How much beer does something like that make?
0: You know, a drought keg is, I don't even know how much a drought keg is. It's it's pretty small, but um, I'd think maybe like four or five pints right around. But the the creme de la creme right now that I've run into is the Pico Brew Home Brew System. Have you heard about that part of? It is weird science. Uh, It's basically a fully automatic beer brewing appliance. Like you put it on your countertop. Um, you use these bizarre inserts that you like put into this machine and then you press like how sour do you want the beer, how how bitter does should it be, What do you want a high alcohol content, and it will brew everything for you. It does like all the boiling and the mash turning and everything. Uh, and then basically you, it transfers it into this keg for you where it ferments and then you retransfer transfer it into the final keg to enjoy. It's like almost fully automated home brewing. It's, it's just really weird science, but people are taking this really seriously. They did a Kickstarter and they wanted to raise $200,000 and they ended up raising over $1.4 million. Uh, the system, you can buy it now for $499. bucks. i am not including any of these inserts, which range from like $30 to $50.
1: I mean, that's, that's really interesting. It sounds really cool, but I just, I'm always skeptical of things like this. I mean, what what quality beard can it really make? What ingredients do you have to purchase? I mean, that's all got to be figured into to to this stuff. I I would assume.
0: Yeah, and they they were pretty smart. They aligned with different breweries, like Dogfish Head. Okay. Has like inserts and a couple other breweries do, but.
1: So what you can you could probably purchase. Maybe that's not available now, but in the future, if this is successful, you could maybe see things like um, uh, some sort of kit where you just pay one price and it has all the exact kind of hops you need, the exact kind of malts you need, and you just let the system do the work for you, then.
0: Basically. It's kind of freaky, because, I mean, we've made beer together. Right. It's, it's like, kind of a manual process, and it's kind of fun.
1: It is fun, yeah.
0: So, I don't know, to me, I don't think I'd ever purchase anything like this, because it's so... Like, I don't want to stick a little insert in there and, and have it do everything for me, and then six weeks later, I have this beer that came from this machine,
1: yeah I, i'm i'm with you there I, I think it's a cool concept and i think if you can experiment with it enough it would be maybe interesting and especially for only 500 bucks maybe if you're starting a brewery mm-hmm. and if you really want to you know check out some different ref, uh, recipes this would maybe be a good option to see how things turn out before you start doing at a larger scale yeah so i can see a place for it but it just as a consumer item i don't know
0: and it looks the, i'm not gonna lie it looks like a, like a microwave like it hmm. it has it's it looks bigger, but and I'm holding my hands away like a maybe a two feet mm-hmm. ish width. I it's probably a little bigger than that, but it looks oh, like a microwave. It? It's probably it's the same, like almost the same dimensions as a microwave, so like that tall. Oh, okay. But it's it's I, the I imagine, weirdest thing.
1: I imagine like an entire refrigerator, a full size refrigerator type deal.
0: Yeah. Wow. And that's that's what I kinda had too. They make uh, apparently the company I think it's called Pico or I forget what the the company's name is. I think it is Pico Brew, but they make like automated systems for actual breweries too. So okay. they came out with this, but still, it doesn't. It takes the interactivity out of it, and I don't know about these other things too. Kind of providing the draft keg experience at home. I mean, yeah. you could probably make a kegerator for.
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, you can even buy a kegerator for for pretty cheap, and the idea of filling up a growler and having some two hundred dollar device to just dispense it more like a keg. I mean it's kind of cool, but it goes back to what I my thoughts were about it being kind of gimmicky. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, how practical is it? How much of a difference does it really make?
0: Yeah, and we live in a, a heavy-duty liquor store entrenched area. Like liquor stores are big around here, <laughs> so it's it's actually quite hard to find a place to fill a growler mm-hmm. in Appleton because there's not the first off there's not that many breweries, and I mean there's what two? Because there's Appleton Beer Factory and then Stone Cellar.
1: Mm-hmm. I think Sorry.
0: they're Stone, yeah, Stone Arch. They'll they'll fill them, but like other than that, you can't go to like a bar. I mean, and they can
1: try, but it'll be messy.
0: Yeah, I had a nasty yeah. experience with that one time. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it's and of course it's around the Christmas time that uh, that this is all coming out. But science is going to keep progressing this type of stuff and technology and
1: and with how you know how much bigger craft beer seems to get every year. Oh yeah, I mean it doesn't surprise me. And yeah, it's not that something like this will do nothing, but make it even more popular so. yeah
0: cool. it'll be interesting to see if they if they last you know if it's a fad or if it lasts or or what but um onto the the big event that's occurring right now star wars of course is so we had the debut in la on wednesday wednesday i'm sorry
1: today's wednesday on monday monday
0: <laughs> tuesday the critics saw it yep. so yesterday
1: it's got to screen it and today re- all their reviews were released which i have I've stayed away from. Uh, I've only really looked at the Rotten Tomatoes score, the Metacritic score, I haven't read a single word about what's good and what's bad. But seeing as as we speak now, the Rotten Tomatoes score is at a 94% positive. I mean, that tells me that it's probably pretty good. Um, So that's exciting. I'm going to see the movie tomorrow, right after work. It's gonna be the longest day at work ever. I'm super pumped for the movie, but I don't know. (laughs) I just
0: want it now. <laughs> yeah, I know it's such, and it's such a cultural phenomenon. Everyone is talking about it. Everyone's tweeting about it. It's been the number one thing on Twitter and on news feeds for days. It's it's quite the quite the to do. But we'll see if you see any uh, stormtroopers or anything like that. I'm sure I'm, there'll be a few.
1: I'm expecting to see some people in costumes tomorrow, but m- mainly I want to see the movie. I want to mm-hmm. experience it. Like I mentioned in some previous episodes, I'm trying to still reserve my expectations seeing how positive the, the, the reviews have been so far is exciting, but I still don't want to just assume it's great mm-hmm. because I, I don't always agree with those Rotten Tomatoes scores. So, yeah. uh, But I'm excited, and I think a lot of other people are excited. It's definitely headline news, and we're kind of at the apex of it right now.
0: Because mm-hmm. everyone's everyone's in that waiting, waiting phase, mm-hmm. reading the reviews and, and doing all that. So, anyways, we are uh, obviously going to kick off the uh, ocean episode next with our review of Into the Heart of the Sea. Uh, This is Weekly Neurosis, and we'll be right back. You will be listening to Mastodon's album, Leviathan. quick correction i've been a total moron and calling this uh, into the heart of the sea it is actually in the heart of the sea yep and if i screwed it up again i do apologize but anyways week of the neurosis our movie of the week is in the heart of the sea um the plot is that in 1820 crewman consisting of chris hemsworth benjamin walker Cilly, and cillian murphy aboard the new england vessel the essex They face a harrowing battle for survival when a whale of mammoth size and strength attacks with force, crippling their ship and leaving them adrift in the ocean. Pushed to their limits and facing storms, starvation, panic, and despair, the survivors must resort to unthinkable things to stay alive. Their incredible tale ultimately inspires author Herman Melville to write the classic tale, Moby Dick. So the cast consisted of, as I mentioned before, Chris Hemsworth, Cillian Murphy, Benjamin Walker, Tom Holland, and Ben Wissaw, i believe is how it's pronounced. The crew was Ron Howard. Uh, cinematography by Anthony Dodd Mantle, who did 127 hours, Slumdog Millionaire, The Last King of Scotland, and music by Roquet Banos, who just did his first composition um, and also did Old Dead or sorry, Evil Dead and Old Boy. So, Ethan, tell me what were your thoughts on this film.
1: Well, I always like to mention my expectations going into a movie, and with Mm -hmm. this one I wasn't expecting a whole lot uh, based on how the movie's release was delayed, how the reviews weren't super great, but uh, honestly, I was a little bit surprised by this movie based on those low expectations, although ultimately I do think it's a a much lighter film than it could have been. I thought for the most part it was really well paced, Um, maybe dragged a little bit near the end, uh, which we can talk about in a little bit. and ultimately, I was surprised with just the way the movie went because I think it was advertised poorly. Mm-hmm. I think they advertised this as an action movie with you know, Chris Hemsworth on this ship fighting this giant whale and really it's a it's more of a survival story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about a, a group of these whalers trying to survive during this extreme situation uh, that is certainly ex- exa- exaggerated, but it wasn't as crazy as I thought it was going to be and so that was a nice surprise. It threw me off a little bit but unfortunately it is rated PG-13 and there's a lot of really nasty stuff in this movie especially after they get stranded in the ocean and all that that I, I think that that rating toned it down a little bit and made the movie have lesser of an impact than it could have I uh, had a couple of other issues with some of their character development as well but. Overall, I don't want to be too negative because I did enjoy the movie. But what, what did you think?
0: Well, I was—I'm kind of with you. I thought the biggest thing was that they did not they, they did a good job with the film altogether. But like you said, with that R rating, they would have benefited tremendously from having that because there were just certain things about the—you know—them getting stranded or just the life on at sea that they could have kind of illustrated better if they had that R rating because they kind of skipped over and alluded to things and kind of you just had to kind of understand it um... but i thought too the the cgi was was pretty decent they made the the whale look pretty badass and it's kind of odd to say that about a whale but yeah that was that was solid that was
1: one thing about this movie that surprised me was the the look of it i thought the special effects and and everything were really great Mm -hmm. really convincing Um, and we didn't see this in 3d although i believe it is available to see in 3d for people out there who like that option but uh... yeah i thought it looked great One thing I was really surprised with in terms of the visuals of the movie was I was expecting it to be more of a kind of an epic-looking movie and not that it isn't an epic movie because there are a lot of really big things going on but the way that Ron Howard focuses on these situations it's less big wide shots of the ship being attacked by this whale uh, or you know the ship rocking in a violent storm and it was a lot of close-ups on characters getting rocked back and forth and even when the whale was hitting the ship it would zoom in real close on the whale versus having a wide shot and i thought that made it i personally liked it because i thought it made it more tense i thought it made it more kind of nauseating you got the feel that you were standing on the board of, uh, on on the deck of the ship and getting swayed so i really like the visuals of this movie
0: yeah and they they use that for like a feel too and especially with the tight shots with conversation was shot really tight mm-hmm. you didn't really see it. normally you see kind of this wide pan of these two people talking and then people are kind of bustling around the background but is very tight on, you know, the, the two people talking. They have that sure. uh, meal scene where they're in the, you know, the belly of the ship. I'm not a uh, yeah. sea person, but like the, the the chambers where they would eat and stuff. And those are always very tight. Right. Meant they, to kind of, you to feel for how, how small that space is.
1: Exactly. I thought those were all really, really good decisions. And to go back to the, the whole PG-13 thing, I think they wanted to kind of maybe tone it down to get that PG-13 rating. Uh, and, and we don't want to spoil anything but there are some pretty nasty things that go on in this movie and it is implied and, and that's fine and I think there are some people who will appreciate that because not everybody likes to see that but just overall I felt that shying away from showing some of those things but but just I, I didn't really care when they were getting into all this trouble and they were getting attacked by this whale I just had a hard time really sympathizing with them just because I kept thinking to myself well you know you're the one who wanted to go out and prove that you're so badass by mm-hmm. hunting these whales.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing is they didn't do a very good job of like developing the captain's character or any really any of the supporting cast. The one uh, played by Cillian Cillian Murphy, mm-hmm. he like they allude again. It was one of those things they couldn't really cover the full scope of his issues. So they kind of ducked over it really quick. He was almost
1: totally wasted in the movie.
0: Yeah, and he's a great, he's, he's a, such a good actor. He's a
1: great actor. And not that he was bad here, but there was just nothing there. You were supposed to feel all this stuff between him and Chris Hemsworth because they'd known each other since they were kids. And I just, I didn't get it. I mean, they mentioned it, but I just didn't feel it. There was no
0: development. There was, and there was really no feeling. But that, that was kind of the result of what you mentioned. These big, huge moments would happen in the film, and they would just kind of skip over it. Sure. Not over but they would just cover it so quickly, and th- that happened in the middle, and kind of, the first quarter of the movie was pretty fast, but then it, it, it just, moment after moment after moment, they're supposed to be major, Okay. got kind of bumped over, and it was just all of a sudden you were just like, oh, okay, this person's okay, or the ship's sinking, or just, you know... Right. Left and right.
1: I don't think I had as many issues as you did with the pacing of it, because Mm -hmm. I really wasn't bored by any... I was actually surprised with how into the whole thing I was, even after kind of the major action had taken place. The only time I had issues with the pace of the movie was the very end, where Mm -hmm. it seemed like it had trouble picking where it wanted to end, and some of the specifics of what was going on it was a very little bit vague yep yeah it was a yep. little hard to follow in the end which was weird but i was kind of i had the thought maybe in the last 10 or so minutes kind of thinking well let's let's wrap this up we've seen it all yep. but they didn't they kept going and that felt a little meh
0: and then there was the ultimate ending which we again will not spoil but i kind of feel like we saw an ending and then an alternate ending in a single film which yeah. was very odd but i agree it was kind of like They'd get over this hill of a plot, and then it was like, okay, here's the ending. Nope, but then there's here, there's more. And they just didn't close it out quite right.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I really I had some issues with the character development, but I, I, I guess if I want to go into my overall thoughts on this movie, I thought it looked gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I was entertained. I thought it was kind of more of a turn your brain off and enjoy the ride type movie than I think it was. I think... The, the script and the the, the the you know Ron Howard and a lot of the actors thought that they were making this powerhouse movie about survival and it's just not there the characters just weren't weren't developed correctly mm-hmm. uh, but still I, I found myself engaged the entire time uh, the final half of the movie did drag maybe a little bit but uh, I think I liked it overall well, if you had to score this Nate where are you at?
0: Oh... I'd probably give it a 6.4 and I I really labored on that between a 7.1 and a 6.4 I know that sounds stupid but it it just the ending to me was a huge like seriously and then character development I I thought they just skipped over too much stuff and they should have just gone full hog and just you know dealt with the R rating I I think it would have been a little bit better but again I'm going to say 6.4 all right. Yeah, I'm
1: uh, feeling generous. I think, I, again, to go back to the end, while I think it was a little confusing, I actually found myself a little bit more connected to the characters by the end. I mm-hmm. think they managed to make me care a little bit more, but then it got confusing. So I'm feeling generous. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Okay. I liked it. I thought it was pretty cool. It wasn't great. I wouldn't say rush out to go see this, but it's, it's better than... I think the the word of mouth is in terms of other critics and everything. I think yeah. it's pretty solid.
0: One thing I didn't mention is they make. I mean, they make the whale evil. Yeah. Like you feel you're like you know fuck this whale like you know it's like that's how they they made you feel that. And that's that's one thing they did. I just wish they would have done that with the characters because they didn't really ever.
1: Yeah, it was hard bring to bring it full sorry
0: circle. Yeah. Yeah, pretty good overall, I think. Yeah, it was, and it was a good like good the first. I think half of the movie is really really good action, action packed, and then they kind of drifted into the whole yeah. psychological feel of things. Yeah. But
1: yeah, it definitely was not. It makes it again. It makes it look like this action movie, and it really isn't. It's especially in the later half. It's more of just a survival movie. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. We saw it in the new. Oh gosh. The new Dream Lounger chairs. Dream, yeah. I'm
1: sure some people are aware of this, and in, in, in other parts of the country, it's common to have. These reclining chairs as uh, the, you know the main place to sit when you go. You go into the movies, you pick your seat out, and you have this awesome electric rec- reclining chair. And we got to experience that for the first time yesterday.
0: Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I
1: liked it. Yeah. Only if I was seeing a really boring movie, it would be a quick recipe for sleep.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. But action movies, awesome. I th- for sure. I thought that was a, a cool thing. So yeah. on to the uh, the news items. That uh, that we have is the Golden Globes, right? We have continue. been announced.
1: Yeah, as we continue our awards season uh, for movies, Golden Globe nominations were announced last week, which I think a lot of people consider to be the second biggest, most important of the movie awards after the Oscars. So yeah. this is pretty interesting.
0: And it was like the day I think the day after we recorded mm-hmm. is when this, these came out. So we're going to run through a couple uh, big categories. Um, the, the first one is Best Director, um, which consists of Tom Haynes for *Carol*, Alejandro Iñárritu for The Revenant, Tom McCarthy for Spotlight, George Miller for Mad Max Fury Road, and Ridley Scott for The Martian.
1: Yeah, nothing too surprising here. I think the biggest surprise would be George Miller for Mad Max. Um, that's a movie that critics loved a lot, and it was very popular as well but generally not the type of movie you see show up to these awards shows. Um, so he was a bit of a surprise, and uh, Ridley Scott is having a, a an amazing year with The Martian, where he, he's considered such a hit-or-miss director. To see him have such an acclaimed movie, to see his name on this list makes me really happy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I still have not seen The Martian, but heard very good things. Um, obviously, with The Revenant, Spotlight, and Carol, those are pretty... Pretty predictable. People knew they, that they would show up.
1: Right, especially, I think, uh, with Tom McCarthy for Spotlight. Not saying he doesn't deserve it, because I think Mad Max and Spotlight are my favorites, so I'm glad to see him here, but uh, I think he was one that people predicted a little bit more. But, uh, okay, so the next category we can run through here is the best actor in a motion picture drama, because the Golden Globe switches up uh, drama and comedy-slash-musical. Yep. So the best actor in a motion picture drama is Brian Cranston for Trumbo, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl, and Will Smith for Concussion. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, again, not too crazy. I think the biggest surprise here is Brian Cranston for Trumbo. Um, this is actually one of the more predictable categories, I think, this year, but. Uh, to see Brian Cranston come in here when the movie Trumbo wasn't expected to do all that well is a big boost for his Oscar chances, I think.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely, and obviously I think a lot of people are looking to Leonardo DiCaprio with, with The Revenant to finally break his award spell like that matters, but we'll talk yeah, about that right. later. But, um, yeah, pretty pretty straightforward. I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by the Danish girl.
1: Yeah, I, I like Eddie Redmayne a lot. I yeah. was one of the few people, it seems, who was happy when he won last year for... Um, uh, the Theory of Everything. But uh the, the guy who made The Danish Girl is a director named I think Tom Hooper. He directed The King's Speech and yeah. Le, the newest version of lay Mis. And I just I don't think he's that special of a director. I've enjoyed his movies for the most part but every time he releases something it's around Oscar time and he gets all these nominations and I don't know. I, I'm sure he's Eddie Redmayne is really good in the movie, but I can I can I, I, until I see the movie, I'm a little skeptical that it's really as good as some people are claiming it is.
0: As it's meant to be. But Tremble continues to kind of impress, and I'm I'm certainly intrigued to see it.
1: Right. Well, I think with Tremble too, I, we should be less surprised that it's doing as well because the Golden Globes and the Academy they love movies about movies. I mm-hmm. mean, th- four of the three or three or four of the last couple of movies that won the Oscar for Best Movie of the Year. War movies about movies. Last year, Birdman won. Or a, a movies about Hollywood or something like that. Last year, Birdman won. We saw Argo win, the artist. Um, they like movies that are about themselves. So I guess it's not super surprising that he's yeah. in there.
0: That's true. Uh, the next one is Best Actress in a Motion Picture, again with the category Drama. Uh, Kate Blanchett for Carol. Brie Larson for. Broom, which was actually uh, misspelling on the Golden Globes website in their press release it's met, they had it listed as Broom uh, Rooney Mara uh, for Carol uh, Ronan, Serosi Ronan Cerosi Ronan for Brooklyn and Alicia Vikander for The Danish Girl
1: This is a cool category I mean it's interesting to see Carol with two nominations I know there's a lot of debate on whether Rooney Mara belongs here or the supporting actress category mm-hmm. Um I hear really good things about that movie, I have yet to see it, but uh, Alicia Vikander is another big uh, name we're seeing this year. I think she's been in four or five major movies this year, and she's also nominated in the Golden Globes for Ex Machina in the Supporting Actress category. Wow. She's having a heck of a year, and uh, again, to see her in the Lead Actress category, a lot of people thought she would be in Supporting Actress for this, but uh it's, it's a, I haven't seen any of these movies, so I can't really judge any of them. I want to see all of them. Yeah. Um. So it's a good good group of nominees here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Brie Larson's my favorite. I just think she's hot. Not gonna lie. <laughs> that but movie um, room looks really good. It does. I watched. I, I didn't even know what it was, and I watched the trailer for it. Developed a little bit of trailer lust in in that regard, but yeah, very uh very interesting. The two, honestly, the two. Nominees from a single movie kind of threw me off. It yeah, happens it's, from time to time. Because you can technically have two leads. You could probably have five leads if you really wanted to. But right. Yeah, it's very, very interesting.
1: Well, well, one thing we should mention, too, is there's not a single nominee for, from anybody from Spotlight in any of the acting categories. And and not to knock the, any of the performances there, I just think these that people are having a hard time picking out one specific performance. Because mm-hmm. uh, everybody is so good in that movie that... I mean, even you and I disagreed about who was better. It's just, it's, everybody's so good in it, I think they're just kind of <laughs> At
0: us, Yeah. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Right. Uh, okay, so the next category, best motion picture drama. Um, the nominees are Carol, Mad Max, Fury Road, The Revenant, Room, and Spotlight. I'm excited about Mad Max. I think that really boosts its chance for the Oscars. I'm happy to see Spotlight in there. And all three of the other movies, I really want to I want to see. I unfortunately haven't been able to yet, but uh, good category. I think anything goes at this point. I don't, yeah. I think Spotlight may be the front runner here, but it's hard to tell.
0: Yeah, it is really hard. To, I mean, I would assume Spotlight, but I'm and again, I'm just thrilled to see Mad Max: Fury Road on there because it was it was such a good movie. A lot of people kind of wrote it off as the action, typical action blockbuster, but had a lot more to it, and I think so too. It, it was just an excellent film, but. Uh, the last one is Best Motion Picture for Comedy. Uh, once again, The Big Short. We've been hearing a lot about that. Uh, Joy, The Martian, Spy, and Trainwreck.
1: Yeah, The Martian sticks out here. Yeah,
0: I don't. Doesn't. I haven't seen it again, but I'd be shocked as to its comedic.
1: I've heard it's funny, but I feel like it's it's just one of those things where the the Golden Globes are known for kind of doing this from time to time, stretching a category to fit a movie in that they couldn't put in another category mm. yeah it's weird but maybe it was just a weak year for comedies in their opinion
0: yeah i mean i, I actually saw train wreck i thought it was a I little yeah it was a little bit more developed than your typical comedy well that's directed
1: by um judd apatow so I, I i went into that expecting it to be a little bit above and beyond i actually liked it a lot
0: oh yeah absolutely and yeah i mean the big short I, we keep I guess it is fairly comedic in nature, but. It's got a
1: bunch of. It's directed by Adam McKay, who directed Step Brothers, mm-hmm. and I think the Anchorman movies. Yep. So to see him do a movie that's getting all this award um, attention is kind of bizarre.
0: And I know you liked Dog Joy. No.
1: I, I haven't seen it yet, but I didn't care for David or Russell's latest movie as a director, American Hustle. I actually really disliked it. Um, I was kind of. Confused as to why it got such great reviews. But, uh, I mean, in general, I should say I like David O. Russell's movies. I like The Fighter. I love Silver Linings' playbook. But I really didn't like American Hustle. And this Joy movie looks more American Hustle than anything else he's done. But I guess we'll see. I can't judge it. haven't seen it yet.
0: And there are a slew of other categories. You can just, once again, use the almighty Google, type in Golden Globe nominations, and check out all the listings but there's actually another major film best of 2015 release that came out, the AFI Top 10, or what's it called?
1: Yes, it's the AFI, uh, which stands for American Film Institute. Every year, they release their list of what they consider to be the top 10 best films of the year. Uh, They don't do them in any particular order, they just release them alphabetically. Uh, And I'm not too sure in the background of who these people are, but I'm sure there's a lot of crossover with a lot of the other uh, major awards categories because a lot of these movies generally appear at the Oscars, and uh, you'll recognize some of them from the nominees we just announced. But uh, there's one really exciting one on here. So I'll list all ten of the what they consider, what the AFI considers to be the ten best movies of the year. Num- no, I couldn't say number one, just in alphabetical order. Yeah. The Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Carol... Inside Out, Mad Max: Fury Road, The Martian, Room, Spotlight, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and Straight Outta Compton. So I mean, that's I've seen, I've seen, I per- personally have seen Straight Outta Compton, Spotlight, Mad Max, and that's it.
0: But There's a lot left out there to see. I'm
1: amazed that The Revenant didn't make it onto this list, and I'm Mm. amazed that The Hateful Eight or The Danish Girl or Brooklyn didn't make it onto this list, but I am really happy that apparently Star Wars is good enough to be mentioned here. Yeah. And that movie just was released two days ago, so that really, again, excites me about how good it is. yeah. Straight Outta Compton is another surprise on here, I think. Mm-hmm. A movie that got really good reviews and was really popular when it came out and a movie I really liked as well. Seeing it um, honored here is is great. I think it's a movie that most people would enjoy.
0: Because you said, and I've heard, that the acting is exceptional.
1: Yeah, some of the people who are playing you know, Eazy-E and Snoop Dogg, and especially the guy who plays Ice Cube, who is I- Ice Cube's actual son, which explains why he looks so much like him. Oh, crazy. The, the acting is all just incredible. The movie has a really, really good sense of scope, and I mean, it takes place over maybe a decade or so, maybe a little bit less than a decade, but it takes place over a long period of time. It really comes across that way, too. I really liked it, and it's maybe a little bit generic in terms of being a biopic, but uh, the acting was good enough, and the story was good enough that uh, I'm happy to see it on here. I really enjoyed it. Uh, And again, to go back to Star Wars, yay.
0: That is massively exciting, especially. I think that will even further feed into the the buzz about the movie. I mean, I some, think they're at max, but <laughs> I know. I, I mean, stuff like Spotlight and Mad Max and The Martian,
1: Carol. At this point, I'm not too surprised to see them on here because they'll seem to be the the awards favorites at this point. But uh, to see Star Wars on here, really, I mean, that really makes me think that it's it's something special, and maybe we might even see it show up at the Oscars. Hmm. But uh, yeah, that's uh, the American Film Institute's. Ten best movies of the year—it's always a fun list to see. They always throw a couple curveballs, and uh, it's a good one this year.
0: Awesome. And just when Star Wars, as you just mentioned, made the top ten list, it's it's pretty much everywhere. Star Trek, conveniently picked this week to release the uh, the trailer for their new movie, Star Trek Beyond, which is set is given the vague release date of summer. So I think it had a
1: July or June release. Did it actually
0: day. have a date? Because in the yeah. in the thing, it just said summer. They do
1: that sometimes.
0: Periodically. Well, did you
1: see this trailer? I did. Yeah. What
0: do you? I don't know. It, it looks to me because I'm not I'm not a, I should put this into context. I'm not like a huge Star Trek fan by any stretch of the imagination. I've enjoyed the films. Don't get me wrong, and and, and you know I've enjoyed their their past production, but it looks like identical to the previous one. Like, oh, they're on some planet and Spock can just disappear whenever every once and these Martians are chasing them. Things are colored very strangely. and
1: Well, that's kind of the conceit of Star Trek in general. Though. Yeah. I mean, the show itself, I'm a big, in contrast, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I've seen literally every series. Mm-hmm. Star Trek, the original series, Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Enterprise, the animated series. There's a new one coming out next year. I've seen all of it. I've seen all the movies. Um, I liked the two newest movies. And this trailer, to me, Looks like it could be good. I'm a little nervous, seeing as J.J. Abrams jumped ship to direct to direct Star Trek, or Star Wars, rather. Um, the trailer looked like this, a studio's attempt to make it look as action-packed as possible. Mm-hmm. It looks like a Fast and Furious movie, which is no coincidence, as this is apparently directed by Justin Lin, who I believe directed yep. Fast and Furious 5, whatever it's called. Yep. Um, but uh, it's kind of an odd time to release this trailer, don't you think?
0: I think it is, and very... I mean, they should have... Even if you wait a week, it, I think you get a little bit... But People were... All the comments I saw were like, come on. Yeah.
1: like, It's just not the right time. I, I, yeah. I, I, maybe they're trying to bank on all this space hype, and I, I guess maybe some younger people don't really know the distinction between Star Wars and Star Trek or don't really care that much or only know about the newer movies. It just seems like kind of bad timing like nobody cares right now about this
0: Mm -mm, not at all i mean this this trailer is going to get lost in the myriad of other trailers that are going to come out over the next two three weeks and it's just gonna shift into no and then they're gonna have to pump a bunch of money into marketing it and well
1: don't and don't get me wrong i'm excited for the movie as somebody who likes star trek a lot i'm definitely excited to see it and i know simon Pegg is actually one of the writers on it um and of course he plays scotty in the movies um and he's, he's claimed that this movie is going to be more like the original series than the last two movies, but based on the trailer where they're blasting a Beastie Boys song and it's a lot of quick editing, it makes it look like a pretty generic action movie, so I'm hoping they're just doing that uh, to attract people to it. Mm-hmm. Kind of an odd trailer all, overall. And kind yeah, of, it yeah.
0: was. Not, not their typical, but another movie that's on the verge of coming out, The Revenant, um... Leonardo DiCaprio is getting a lot of buzz and it's all entirely about him getting awards and there was actually a title that was ran by the LA Times which is very well known for covering the movie world. Uh, Leonardo's Leonardo DiCaprio's long wait in the loser circle may finally be at an end. I know we've talked about this before so mm-hmm. I feel like we're hitting kind of an old subject but it keeps coming up. Do you think he even cares? No. No.
1: He could care. Leonardo DiCaprio is arguably the most famous well-known celebrity in the world, and at that, he's doing good movies pretty consistently. I don't think he cares if he wins an Oscar or not. That's a fan thing. Fans get excited about who wins and who loses an Oscar. I don't think he cares, and to call him a loser, I think that's kind of silly, because a lot of the actors who've actually won Best Actor aren't anywhere near as successful as he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you could argue that, oh, in terms of financial reasons he's more successful or whatever but I, I would argue that no he's doing fine i don't think he loses any sleep over it i think it would be cool to see him win if he deserves it but i also don't want to see them give him a sympathy oscar because mm-hmm. that's always a shame when uh, somebody wins an oscar just because they've lost so many times yeah because if he doesn't give the best performance of whoever they nominate this year he shouldn't win
0: true and yeah yeah i think and especially when you hear actors say like oh thank god the weights over it's like that's you're just doing that for external purposes in reality i don't think he even cares in the slightest i think he's very concerned with releasing good films mm-hmm. you know doing the best job at acting he definitely with the revenant got way into method acting i think mm-hmm. more so than he's ever gotten but yeah i i it's it's stupid it's meant to it's a publicity thing
1: yeah and like i say it's we go through these oscar nomination or different awards nominations and top 10 lists and whatever and you can get upset about this being on there and that not being on there. Oh, this isn't as good as everybody else thinks, whatever. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. It's all kind of a lot of fun. It's all based on the opinions of some other people somewhere else than from where you are. And nobody ultimately has the point of telling you what is better or worse. Uh, there's always a level of object or of subjectivity to it. So it's kind of silly to get upset with it. I don't think he cares. Uh he, I don't never to my knowledge he's never mentioned being upset about it. Yeah, he's just gonna keep churning out movies, Oscar or no Oscar. I don't think he's just gonna give up one day.
0: Yeah, I don't. From to my knowledge, he hasn't released like a bad film. And well, some people did. Some time. Like,
1: some people didn't like the Great Gatsby. I, I enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. Again, you got to kind of take it. That's a film you need to take at its worth. Right. You know. So, but anyways, on to our. Now, weekly segment, by the numbers, the uh, the weekly box office numbers, top five. We're going to run through those here quick. Number one, for a fourth consecutive week, the Hunger Games, the Mockingjay Part 2, uh, turned in $11.4 million, down about 40% from last week. Um, so it's, it's fourth week at number one? Fourth week at number one.
1: Yeah, so that's made bank. I think we're finally going to see that drop. Oh, I would hope Star so. Wars. That'd be would...
0: an odd occurrence <laughs> <that happened. laughs> Yeah. But uh, number two, a movie that we just reviewed, In the Heart of the Sea, um, just just in second place with about 11 million flat. Um, kind of tanked. It's a huge bomb. Huge bomb. 100 million dollar budget
1: on this thing. 11 million domestically. I mean, that's that's pretty bad. Yeah. I, I don't know if people are just holding off because there's bigger movies coming out or if people just didn't think the trailer was interesting because I think Ron Howard is a name people know and Chris Hemsworth certainly is a name mm-hmm. and a face people, people gravitate towards. So I'm not 100% sure. And I actually thought the movie, I think a lot of people would have enjoyed this.
0: I think so too. I think that though they, they like we had discussed, marketed it and did a lot of things incorrectly in terms of yeah. it's just the, the approach, approach to it.
1: It was originally supposed to come out in March. That it would have done significantly better. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, they maybe thought this was going to be an awards contender or something that they waited until now to release it. it didn't work, they're not going to make their money back on this I one. don't
0: think so. They're going to f- have to compete with some majorly, majorly popular films. Uh, number three, Pixar's The Good Dinosaur. Um, at 10 million, 10 mil- $10.3 million, uh, down 33%. Um, 89 in total on a $200 million budget. This is this is a bomb. Another bomb.
1: Yeah, I think I think internationally, internationally, this movie's made its budget back, but still, yeah, it's not it's not doing well. And again, similar to in the heart of the sea, just an odd time to release the movie. They were kind of taking a gamble with it. They probably could have tried something else. I don't think a lot of these people understood how big Star Wars was really going to be. And I do think we're seeing these low. I mean, the number one movie was eleven million something. I mean, that's a small box office weekend. People are waiting to see Star Wars. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. If you're sick of hearing about Star Wars, sorry. Get sorry. Used to
0: it. Yeah, it's gonna, it's <laughs> everywhere, and it's we're just at the tip of the iceberg too. It's going to get much yeah. much worse. Number four, um, Creed, Warner Brothers picture, um, just in fourth place, earned ten point one million. Um, that's
1: that's a big number.
0: Big number for that film. For that
1: movie, that's already been doing so well.
0: Very good, and it's it's a thirty-five million dollar budget. They've netted almost eighty million. That's awesome.
1: So. I haven't seen this yet. I'm going to be seeing it hopefully in the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. I've heard great things about it. I'm glad it's doing well. I I I, I like Michael B. Jordan. I like Sylvester Stallone. I like seeing these smaller smaller ish budget movies do well. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. Yeah.
0: Great job for them. And the last one, number five, Krampus, Christmas horror, Universal film, made eight point four million. Um, it's doing very well. It's made twenty eight point five million total gross on a mere $15 million budget, so. Yep, that's you know, cool. <laughs> and we have our very first uh, laid to rest out of the top five, Spectre. Oh no. Dropped out of the top uh, top five and also was dropped by 200 theaters nationwide. Um, it's headed into the decline. It netted four million, uh, roughly 55 million short of their $245 million budget. I actually found it in the North American market.
1: Well yeah, in, I think in the UK this movie just, did ridiculous mm. business, but it didn't perform as well as they thought, and that budget is huge. Huge. Two hundred forty-five million for a movie that I've personally heard isn't super great. Yep. I think there's a lot of questions about what to do with the next movie in that franchise.
0: Yep. And it did it netted ninety-six point nine million pounds to date <laughs> in in the UK, which is pretty. It's I guess that's like record. It's pretty heavy. Setting. So. It it. Yep. Heavy. Heavy. <laughs> like pounds. But um. But yeah. And uh, The Night Before was also in the running as well. Very short, though. Yeah. Bam. That's By The Numbers. Let's take a, a brief break, and we'll be right back to review yet another metal album. It's literally made of metal. It's not. We'll be right back. The album of the week this week is Leviathan by the Metal Masters, Mastodon. Ethan, tell us all about this.
1: Alright, well first of all the band Mastodon, uh, generally their sound, uh, they are considered a progressive metal band. They often blend many different metal sounds such as sludge metal, stoner metal, groove metal and various experimental elements. Love
0: the subgenres. Yeah,
1: they've released a pretty sizable number of albums in the last decade or so and they continue to evolve and be popular as a group to this day. Um, In this particular album, Leviathan was released in 2004 and it is Mastodon's second full-length album. This album was a landmark release for the group that generally tells a linear story known as a concept album. It tells the story of Moby Dick and Captain Ahab in brutal musical fashion. On top of that, this record received critical acclaim and popularity uh, among its release and has turned into something of a classic it's already been out 11 years and is often seen as a potential landmark in modern metal so what did you think
0: loved it obviously I did I had no idea about how renowned this album was that came kind of after the after the fact well, this is masterfully put together I do have to say if you listen to it on shuffle it probably wouldn't make a whole lot of sense but when you listen to it track by track by track just phenomenal amazing tempo uh phenomenal transitions from like you you heard that the intro of the show it goes from like just jam to this kind of countryish sound to back to metal there's points where they bring you like way up and then they drop you way down and they bring you way up again and they do it seamlessly
1: yeah they're all the songs in here just have such a wild composition and all these layers on them and they they build on them and expand on them. And they're a, band, a metal band that doesn't necessarily do lots of high pitched, you know, quick noted guitar solos. Instead, they do these complex guitar riffs and drum riffs and, and bass riffs. And the vocals are kind of growly and mean. And it just, they create this, um, this amazing sound that kind of has this bizarre Middle Eastern vibe, this just otherworldly world, sound to it. And the album. Just from uh, almost from front to back, in my opinion, is, is perfect. Every song on here is, is awesome. and it is like we said, it's from 2004. This is an older album, but uh, it's one that does not sound dated in, in any way, know. shape or form.
0: No, and I am Ahab was, was a great one that clicked for me, Naked Burn. I think that's uh, somewhere on this show. but you know just just the drums specifically, I think that metal in a lot of cases is made by the drums. And this, this was a phenomenal album, if you do listen to the, the drum sequences.
1: Right, and again, with metal, we've mentioned this when we reviewed The Satanist by Behemoth. Uh, it's not gonna be for everybody, but I will say, if you're into older metal, you know, 80s, maybe some early 90s stuff, uh, not necessarily heavier types of metal with more screaming vocals, I think this is a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Because while the vocals are pretty harsh versus clean, um, the it's interesting how there isn't a consistent vocal sound on this album. Almost every song, although I believe it's the same vocalist, uh, he sounds different and it gives you that, uh, that uh, conceptual sound that this album is telling the story of Captain Ahab and Moby Dick, where each song sounds like it's from the perspective of a different person on the ship. And the, the varied vocals really do give you that, that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, it sounds like a cohesive whole because all the sounds bleed in together. Um, it's it's very interesting, but hearing all the different tempo shifts uh, and the const- different jams that are constructed so well in these different songs, it's great. I love it.
0: Yeah, and I, I really think it again. I'm sorry to hump the same subject, but the drums it just yeah. it kept the tempo there the entire time. For sure. Even when they would bring it in a kind of a lower sequence, the drums still would uh, would would just keep going. So
1: yeah, I think um, to name some specific songs here. The, the first song in the album, Blood and Thunder, is probably the most recognizable song on the album when people who know Mastodon talk about him. This is probably the first song that comes to their mind. It's, it's probably the most popular song. It has lyrics about uh, hunting an epic white whale and the mental and physical uh, tolls that it takes on the, the different people on the shift. And it really just makes you feel like you're in the middle of this storm watching this th- these people battle this impossibly huge... Creature. It just mm-hmm. gives you that feeling.
0: It's yeah. awesome. Which ties into our movie, and I didn't know this actually. Their primary uh, lyricist is their drummer. Actually, okay. He, okay. he's on the rights lyrics. Well, but I should
1: know that because I saw this band live in like two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't. I don't remember who was singing. It was pretty awesome.
0: Well, no. The they have a lead vocalist, but the oh. the drummer writes the lyrics.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. and yeah, the whole album, like we said, is it does have the constant concept of. Being about Moby Dick, about Herman Melville's album or uh, book, M- Moby Dick.
0: Really clicks in well. I thought it told a story mm-hmm. um, even better than the other album. I hate to mention the album we were, we're considering, but the album The Ocean, ah. which is very much a journey in as they go deeper. This, this reminded me of that. It was okay. kind of like this journey that they take you on. And any any album that's awesome and has a 13-minute song, that's a, that's a major plus, because if you can put something together that's that long and that good, you have something going for you at that moment in time. So
1: All Right, that's the song on here called Hearts Alive. It's oh. near, nearly 14 minutes long, and it's kind of the, the conclusion of the album, really, because there is one song after it called Joseph Merrick, which is much more of a kind of acoustic, creepy jam, and Joseph Merrick gives you the sense that you're drifting away in the open sea from some big thing that just happened, but Hearts Alive is, you know, like we said, this very long song with multiple parts, lots of tempo shifts, just as complex drumming, guitar riffs, and lyrics as the rest of the album, but it kind of all comes together there. Yeah. Um, and I think the the opening piece of music for this podcast that you had lined up was Megalodon, which is another really good song that has that really wacky little country groove. In yeah. it. And I just I love that part because it's kind of out of nowhere, and you're not sure what's going on, but as soon as it starts... It jumps, it jumps into one of, just instantly into one of the nastiest and most just awesome and hardcore riffs on the album. And it's it's just an awesome, it's like a little eye of the storm followed by an absolute tidal wave just knocking you over. And yeah. I just love that moment. And of it,
0: it all clicks. Like, that's the cool thing about this album is everything kind of clicks together in a way that, that produced magic. But it's regarded by... Uh, MetalSucks.com is the best metal album of the 21st century, which is a very high mark considering that is all that those, I'm presuming, men do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's really become popular and and what's interesting is if you listen to Mastodon's, their entire discography, each album is different. They're a Mm -hmm. band that's always evolved and I would argue that now their newer releases are, they're more towards a hard rock sound, there's more clean vocals their lyrics are still crazy, and there's a lot of fantasy-inspired type stuff in there. But uh, I, I personally prefer this album to anything else else they've released because it's just so it's so heavy, but it's not so heavy and complex that somebody who isn't super into metal couldn't be enticed by it. Because mm-hmm. it's really a good it's a good record. Every song in here. Uh, the only song I will say I'm not crazy about is Aqua Dementia. Yeah, it's right before the song Hearts Alive, which, like we said, is the Kind of the the closing place for the album, and I, I like the song "Awkward Dimension," "Awkward Dementia," but it just isn't quite up to par. It's not as energetic. The guitar riffs aren't as memorable to me, and it doesn't. It just doesn't. It's kind of a, every time I get to that point on this album, I kind of sit back for a minute and go, "Oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. wait, what? Wait, what's going on here?" Yeah. So that's really my only complaint because I, I love this whole album. Other than that.
0: Yeah, that was my only real qualm too. But yeah, just. Blown away, totally blown away. When
1: was the first time you heard this album? Then I'm just curious.
0: <sighs> probably in passing, like maybe four years ago. Okay, because that was when I first discovered kind of Mastodon, and I was like, oh, I gotta go all the way back, and I listened right. to all their old stuff. But
1: all right, and the, yeah, I first heard this in probably 2004 or five, not long after it came out, and I was literally 14 or 15 years old at that time. It's crazy, and yeah. I had never, I was just getting into this kind of music, and when I You know, bought this when I first had any money to spend and put it on. I was just floored by it, and it's just an album that, in all those years, I don't get sick of it. I I I think it's good, and I think most people who go out of their way to listen to it seem to enjoy it.
0: Yeah. So scores.
1: I have to. It kind of pains me to do this, but I have to give it a nine out of ten. As much as I love the album, I have to give it a nine just because, again, that song "Awkward Dementia" not a bad song, but in terms of. This album being one cohesive piece, it always makes me. I mean, I'm just in the zone until I get to that song, and then I'm very clearly out of it for a little bit. I yeah. think that song on its played on its own is just fine, but at, at, on the album, it just doesn't quite work for me.
0: Yeah, I think for me, it's like a nine point seven. It's just Whoa. one little bit away. I look. I look at a lot of albums as like advanced trigonometry, which I had to take in college. It there's like little pieces they can pick out to deduct you on a test and there's just little there's that little piece in Aqua Dementia that to me I can't I don't have it there on paper to give it the the full 10 out of 10 but totally blew me away yeah it's an awesome totally album. blew me away and
1: and like I said I think if you're not super into metal but you like hard rock if you're if you want to maybe explore some some heavier stuff this would be a good album to start with because it's just it's not too crazy, but it's just crazy enough that you're you're experiencing something that's yeah. that's very unique.
0: And I think it's I think it's absolutely digestible for even like rock fans to yeah. listen to this. Much you know, just almost like an orchestra piece in the version of a a metal album. But great, great stuff. Back to back weeks, very good metal albums, differing feels, but wow, blown away for sure. I love it. Rock on, man. So that's that's. <laughs> oh, oh, a... And
1: see them live if you can. See them live.
0: I they saw... they do tour quite a bit.
1: I saw them live. I saw them. They were the headlining group in 2010. And I saw Baroness open for them. And I saw Between the Buried and Me open for them. And uh, the band Baroness may show up again on this on podcast. On this podcast.
0: Because you got a sexy looking <laughs> vinyl, man. Yes.
1: We'll talk about that in the future.
0: Oh, yeah. Whew getting hot and heavy, and I'm just Jesus, take, <laughs> put your shirt on. Put your take, put your shirt back on. In other music news, though, very different swing. Yeah, I'd but say. but uh, Adele. We haven't touched her on. We have touched her. I've never her. touched Adele. I've never touched her. We haven't touched on her or her music on this show. <clears throat> I don't think either you or I listened to her. Uh, I heard her first album, 21.
1: Yeah, I haven't listened to her her new album, 25.
0: Really, get you can't get the album through Apple Music or Spotify. So, I think people she I, I think her market is kind of people with means to go out and purchase an album, yeah. So, they're going out and doing it, in and that I it. and that
1: I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I, I don't particularly care for her music, I've only heard the one song from this album, so I shouldn't judge it. I do want to hear it, yeah. Um, but, um I think it's cool that she's she's showing mainstream audiences she's showing the music industry that the album still matters that it isn't just about singles Mm -hmm. that a whole cohesive piece of music uh, that has songs in it that won't necessarily be singles matters and that there's artistic merit in that so I appreciate that it is selling so well I think that's great and I hope more you know mainstream artists follow suit
0: yeah and to speak to her popularity she had an audience of around eleven point two million people for a live music performance broadcast on television, which is mind really mind-boggling when yeah. you think about it. I don't think anyone else could pull that off. Like basically, a concert footage. You know, I think there's one TV network that Palladium or Audience or something like that. Palladium. Palladia. Palladia. Palladia, and they do nothing but concert. It's actually footage. a pretty cool channel. Oh, I it is. Majorly. I don't have
1: cable, but my my parents do. So if I'm ever visiting them. My my dad likes to watch it, and sometimes he'll say, "Hey, there's this cool concert on, and we'll watch bits." They also do cool. Um, they'll they'll show like an entire festival, like um, Coachella or something like that. Yeah,
0: but, they they run. I think they are the sponsor for, or not like the TV co partner for Coachella. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Which I'm is awesome. That, I'm glad it's out there. That's great.
0: But eleven point two million people.
1: People like her. Yeah, man. That's I mean I'm I'm, I'm yeah, I'm glad she's doing well. Yeah. I wish I liked her music. I know. I got nothing against her. I just, when I listen to it, I just don't, I don't feel that, that heartache that she feels.
0: Yeah, I can't. (laughs) No, but um, one thing, a side note on a future episode, we touched on potential Baroness appearances, but uh, in the near to distant future, we're going to do a best of 2015 episode where we're just going to, at that point, we'll have to have gone on like a film watching Blitz Right, cuz we were hoping sort. to do it
1: sooner yeah. but there's just so the the way they've structured the release of movies this year and we're not professional critics who get to see these movies early. <laughs> yeah. Um it's just so hard to see these movies and we could do a best of list in the next week or two but I just feel like there's at least five or six movies I should try to see before we do
0: that. Yeah, and we feel we owe it to you, and it's we I and mean, we have to see like what seven or eight films. Yeah. Ballpark. I want to see Carol the Revenant. Yeah, just these are kidding. these are first world problems. Oh, you yeah, can't get to the movie. Dang, the heated, uh, heated, at this point, I'm heated. I'm too busy at my
1: job to go oh, see a movie.
0: First oh. world. <laughs> awesome. But why don't we move on to uh, obsessions. So okay. right now, you had a very
1: keyed yeah, okay. in
0: obsession. There's
1: a little bit. I mean, yeah, I, I've focused pretty specifically in the last couple episodes on things I'm obsessed with. And uh, this week, I've really been thinking about something called an NAS drive. This is something my brother, who is very much a computer savvy individual, filled me in on. Um, NIS Drive stands for ne- Network Attached Storage. Now, I'm the kind of person who likes to store my own digital files, music, movies, what have you. And if you are as crazy as I am, you have a inexcusable amount of these files, movies, music, most of it which I'll never see again, but I like knowing it's there. Um, so I have three or four different external hard drives that store all of these things and managing them is a big pain and there's always the fear that one of these hard drives is going to crash. So my brother in, uh, filled me in on this thing called an NAS drive. So I've really been researching this I've been thinking about it. I really want to get one of these things. And generally speaking, an NAS drive, it's a way to store computer data files by way of accessing them through a computer network. So think of, think of it as a Personal iCloud or a personal cloud system. Um, instead of having to access files on an external hard drive via a USB, you know, plugging right. it in or whatever, uh, when you configure this proper, properly, the storage device can be accessed like any attached USB drive, but it doesn't have to be plugged in. It's totally network accessed. Um, so, again, think of it as a localized personal cloud system. So, this is something I've really been thinking about. I had a recent computer tragedy. My, my laptop. It's a hard drive crash, I didn't have everything backed up properly, and uh, I just don't want to buy another external to sit there. And this seems like a really handy way to, you you basically buy this hub, you buy the hard drives, you plug them into it, set up the network, and blam, it's all there. And I plan on having at least two or three different hard drives, having everything stored in one of them, and backed up on one or two of the other. So you basically are guaranteed to never lose that data. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's it, mind-boggling.
1: It's really, really interesting. It really is kind of a the next generation way to to store large amounts of file, large large amounts of large files.
0: Yeah. So. Because it's technically limitless, then.
1: Right. Well, it, because you have to buy the hard drives to plug into it, mm-hmm. and I'm probably going to start out with something about four terabytes. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> And I, I have, I know this sounds crazy, but I have at least one terabyte of Just Reason music. Easy. I mean, and I, I'm downloading and purchasing less music digitally nowadays because um, I am doing Apple Music now, yep. which is something I swore I would never do, but look at me now. Uh, look at me now. But I, of course, am buying records all the time, and unfortunately, there will never be a, a convenient way to store those, but dang it, I'll never stop. But this whole NAS drive seems like a really easy way for me to just stop using all these pesky externals i have sitting around and consolidated everything into one place where i know it's backed up
0: nice yeah sweet
1: so what, what's been on your nagging, what's nagging your brain? is
0: this right here the sound and getting the sound from mixer to mics to the shitty fucking computer that we're recording this on been but be easy on yourself yeah be easy on yourself no but yeah, just, just figuring out the technology and how a mixing board even works. I realized I was reviewing mixing boards and I had no clue how they worked, really, and kind of researching them, but uh, that's pretty much it. Pretty basic, except I'm kind of borderline now obsessed with that whole NAS drive thing. I kind yeah. of want it well, for the no Well, you know, reason.
1: focus on the computer,
0: buddy. Focus on the computer. Or the
1: audio. Or In whatever. the audio. Whatever.
0: But, yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, okay. Because I, I know we've kind of vaguely talked about in the future ha- having, you know, working on having better sound quality for this podcast. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe having dedicated mics or at least some sort of recording uh, system where you can hear our voices a little bit clearly. There's not as much background stuff going on. But.
0: Yeah, and I think a big a big part of it is with the two mic system for a podcast, it, it like lets you be more comfortable. Right. So you know we have to both be kind of sitting up and getting close to the mic, and it's when you're you have the boom the boom stands and stuff like that. You can kind of if you want to sit back if that's your comfortable stance, you can sit that way. If you want to sit like sideways, you can put the mic over here. It's like you can do whatever you want, and it's all about being comfortable. That's right. and I want this place to be comfortable. I got we have posters up now. Yeah, we
1: have at Nate's house here. We have kind of this cool little studio. You did hang them up. Yeah, man. Look at that. Well, I didn't even notice that we've been in here for like two hours.
0: A little homespun murder story.
1: Got a Fargo and Pulp Fiction poster. You didn't put mm-hmm. up the Goodfellas
0: one. No, not yet. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Then, of course, the Warriors and White Zombie.
1: White Zombie.
0: The That's original OG. That's like as OG as zombies classic, get. Yeah. classic, man. Isn't that yeah. Bela Lugosi? Or yep. Yeah. Good stuff. But yeah, so here we are. Oceans on the The oceans the are done.
1: Yeah. Talked
0: about some good stuff though, I think. No, um, yeah. Awesome awesome album, good movie. I can't I can't totally dog it.
1: It's one I you know what, I would actually probably watch it again. Like yeah. it's one I would watch with my parents or something, but I don't think I would necessarily be like, dude, you gotta see this movie,
0: dude. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, again you can connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all at Weekly Neurosis. Again, as you mentioned before, we're spoiler free. Not gonna ruin any movies for you unless we're real, real drunk. Yeah. And that that could end badly. But anyhow, episode four, oceans, we're done.
1: That's it. It's been good, Nate.
0: It's been fun, man. All right, everybody, bye.